0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben Arnott and I'd like to welcome you to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast, Australia's first barbecue podcast. This is episode 10 of a series that I like to call Comp Ready, where I interview Australia's best pitmasters, builders, butchers and suppliers to help you be comp ready. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and share it around to spread the love. If you're into competition barbecue, you might be interested in my free ebook, 27 Lessons Learned from Competition Barbecue. I've drawn on my experience as both competitor and judge to offer you exclusive inside knowledge to help you make the most of your competition experience. Head to smokinghotconfessions.com/comp-ready to get your copy now. There's also a link in the description. Joining me in the confessional today is Brett Connell from the Flamin' and Mungrels. The mongrels have had a ripper over the last 12 months, competing in TV's Aussie Barbecue Heroes, performed very well throughout the 2016 competitive barbecue circuit, picking up a grand champion prize, and spent most of the season in the top 10. To me, the mongrels are the nicest guys in the game. When I was first starting the Smoking Hot Confessions website, Brett was the first person to walk up to me at a competition and tell me how much he liked the site. He also grabbed me at 1am on the first night of my first big competition when I'd maybe had one too many beers, and sat me down and gave me a good feed of chicken wings, straightened me out and sent me on my way. No doubt the only reason that I was able to actually compete the next day. Today, Brett's here to tell us all about sponsorship, where to find it, and how to secure it. Check it out.
1: This is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession?
0: Welcome to The Confessional, Brett. My first question for you today has to be, what was the last thing you barbecued?
1: Mate, uh, thanks for having me. First of all, I guess, uh, I I do barbecue quite often and uh, commonly it's just weeknight barbecue stuff. So the last thing I did was probably chicken. I did some some chicken breast and some chicken wings, which I love the most. I love doing chicken wings, like just weeknights for fun, you know, or even lunchtimes. So uh, I was playing around with some new rubs and uh, we were interested in looking at breasts for competition. I still don't think it's the right way to go, but I wanted to have a bit of a play with it. So it was chicken wings, bit of sauce. It was pretty good.
0: It's actually quite surprising just how many of the barbecuers I've spoken to have told me that um, chicken is their go-to uh, regular cook.
1: Mostly I reckon because it's quick. You know, like if you're going to spend a whole – day doing low and slow you've got to spend a whole day but if you want to cook regularly i mean there's there's, there is hot and fast you can do stuff in four hours and if you're home you know sort of three or four in the afternoon you can still get it done for dinner but i reckon chicken's really easy just to uh to be able to eat it regularly you know
0: yeah yeah i've i've got a little um homemade vortex thing that i've got and uh, it, it cranks out chicken wings at a very quick rate
1: I'm keen. I'm keen to have a go at this vortex. I've seen it uh, floating around. I've, I still only use the sort of charcoal baskets in my Weber, uh, which seems to have a similar effect. You know, where you place the chicken around the outside and have the coals hot in the middle for that, uh, for the flow of heat to you know go in the kettle quite nicely. But yeah, I'm keen to have a go on the vortex.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty incredible just how just how hot it can get. It. I um, I just have a little knockoff homemade one. It's not nearly as good as a as a genuine one. And Did you make it? Yeah, yeah.
1: In yeah. a stainless steel bucket at Dunno's? Yeah. I'm gonna do exactly the same thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yep. I think I spent ten bucks on the bucket and, and now I've got two.
1: Perfect. They're
0: they're they're very thin and not nearly as sturdy, so I'd imagine they wouldn't conduct heat quite as well as a genuine one.
1: Is, the con- um, is it about the conducting though, or is it about forcing that heat upwards?
0: It's about funneling the heat. Yeah. And so if the if the Metal is really thin, like the ones I've got are from the bucket. Oh. Some of that heat's going to come out sideways okay. than, rather than up. Whereas if you, if you look at the genuine one, it's actually really quite thick. Okay. And so it, it would funnel the heat up. Okay, fair enough. Better. So, cool. Yeah, but no, the, the heat that that thing can focus is just incredible.
1: Can you give it a go? Yeah.
0: You were one of the contestants in Aussie Barbecue Heroes at the end of last year. Can you tell us about that experience?
1: I was. Uh, it, we were very lucky to get invited to do Aussie Barbecue Heroes, and mate, it was it was hard work. It was it was fun. We really had an absolute cracker time. We got to meet some great barbecue teams. Uh, got to meet some amazing cooks, of which the Flaming Mongrels probably are not. Uh, we we're more of a we're more of a bit of a backyard mob. <laughs> so uh, it it. Television and reality television is, uh, I'm, I'm certain that people are aware of that, but it's not what you see on TV. The the producers are in charge and they decide what happens and what gets shown. So, look, it was a, it was a great experience. We got to spend 10 days down in Narrabeen um, cooking barbecue and hanging out with some great people. So we loved it, absolutely loved it. We'd do it all over again. It's a shame that the show wasn't... Uh, well-regarded amongst the barbecue community. However, uh, it was a good start. It, it gave us a great start. So,
0: Yeah, right, yeah. Any word on a, on a Season 2?
1: Uh, Channel 7 haven't, uh, haven't contacted me directly yet, but uh, if they do a Season 2, I think really the Australian Barbecue, Australasian Barbecue Alliance needs to get involved. Um, although, as I just said, the TV guys are in charge, so they get the site get to decide what is right for TV. So it'd be nice to see something like the pitmaster style of show going on in Australia.
0: Yeah, I think that that's kind of where they were sort of starting to head with it. Um, but then they sort of, you know, that low and slow is still sort of taking off in Australia and TV is for a mass audience. So it's like they tried to sort of blend some, you know, t- uh, typical Aussie grilling with a little bit of low and slow and sort of came up with a hybrid.
1: Oh, absolutely. It it, it was really great to see some offset smokers on TV. I'm sure it would have a few people, I can assure that.
0: So how has your life changed since Aussie Barbecue Heroes?
1: (laughs) Not much, really. Uh, I'm not walking down the street and going, oh, yeah, there's the bloke from the telly. Uh, But, (laughs) look, in in the barbecue community, it wasn't well regarded, as we've just discussed, but it it was a... it was, it was great fun. We had a great laugh doing it. I reckon probably the best thing we is we absolutely use it to our advantage nowadays, and I know it's almost a year old now, but we use it to our advantage like if we're going to approach sponsors or perhaps if we're looking to uh, maybe apply for a comp that doesn't have many spaces available and we go, well, you know what, we'd love, Flaming Mongrels would love to be a part of your competition and this is why you should have us. You know, we've got a little bit of uh, experience and background and, you know, we might be able to garner some media media attention, uh, which is good for the comp. Whether that's true or not, who's to know? But uh, I I definitely use it to our advantage if I can.
0: So I I think the key word there is leverage then.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it, it, It definitely we take a few screenshots from the Channel 7 website in our sponsorship proposals and, uh, you know, we do what I can, links to Channel 7's stuff just to give us a little bit of uh, credibility, if that's the right word, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that the the show definitely did um, introduce a lot of mainstream Australia to low and slow cooking, which I think was um, definitely a great thing that was achieved there.
1: You're exactly right.
0: A lot of people, when they are getting into competitive barbecue, go all out, but you actually started quite humbly. Can you tell us about your first barbecue?
1: Yeah, okay. So I reckon I probably got into barbecue a little bit by mistake. I think um, I was down in Canberra with my brother who just got back from the States, and he brought home this, what he called a barbecue, I guess. Well, he called it a smoker, actually. So I didn't even know it was called barbecue, but he brought home this smoker, and I think. It would be like the Hark the gas, three, you know, the, the the door barbecue with the three grills. Uh, and he's like, check this thing out, Bretto. You know, we gotta we got to have a go at this. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we spent all morning, it was because it was from the States that had propane connections, right? So we're driving around to all these barbecue shops and gas shops and welding shops and all these to trying, trying to get a, you know, nine kilogram gas bottle to fit to the connection. Mate, we had no chance. In the end, we ended up just cross-threading it to the bilio, just as tight as we like. Sprayed a bit of water on it to see if uh, if there was any leaks, and we just fired it up. Mate, we we filled it with uh, we filled it with as many proteins as we could get our hands on. We had you know pork and lamb and chicken and beef and just. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Like he had a cookbook and had a rub book, and you know we were we were throwing all this uh, spices mixed together on top of this meat. I, I hadn't seen anything like it before. You know, usually a, a grown-up dad would marinate the meats and you'd stick it in the fridge for a couple of hours in some in liquid, but uh, this dry rubbing of the meat was something that I hadn't seen before. So um, it was – I didn't even realise it was called barbecue, you know. we did We did a few sides out of this American barbecue book. We had like a bourbon and marshmallow sweet potato. I mean, it, it was – it was crazy, but um, mate, we went okay. We cooked, uh, we cooked up a bunch of meat, and we sat down and had a dinner party. And uh, I, I reckon we had a pretty good time, you know. Um, so that was quite a while ago now. And as I say, before I even, you know, it it wasn't even barbecue. I didn't know it was called barbecue. But then my wife was following a Brisbane food truck, uh, that barbecue joint, I think it was, and uh, she saw that he was going down to compete at the barbecue wars in Port Macquarie. This was back in 2014. Um, and she's like, oh, we should go to this. And I'm like, hell yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Um, <laughs> so we, we followed him down there and I, I'd go so close as to saying we were like maybe one of the only spectators that actually turned up to Port Mac in 2014, you know. There was only sort of like 20-odd teams uh, and uh, the ABA was, you know, pulling these teams together at the last minute. But when I saw what they were doing down there, I'm like, you know what? I want in. This is fantastic. If my, my gas burner barbecue at home is not like this, but I want to do it this way. You know, so it was pretty good.
0: Following a bus around the country, you've, uh, you've referred yourself as a spectator. Other people would say that was a groupie.
1: Which you,
0: <laughs> would oh, you a group, describe I yourself as a, as a barbecue groupie when you started out?
1: I definitely would not call myself a barbecue groupie at that stage. I, I wanted to see what was going on. Um, I think to be a groupie, you've got to have been a fan to start with. And uh, I wasn't a fan in the start. I was more spectating from the side. So there's no way I'm calling myself a groupie nut.
0: <laughs> and, and one more thing i got to ask. Uh, you or your brother, which one of you drew the short straw to actually light that cross-threaded uh, gas smoker?
1: Well, we, we, of course, it's got, got the little piezo electric lighting sort of situation. But as I say, we did t- do our testing to make sure that there was no leaks. And, but we, we had it in the middle of the backyard, you know. It was like on a big grassy backyard, right? Let's light this thing and get away from it and see what happens, you know. On a, bit of a, a little bit of a side note, he also brought back a turkey fryer, Right, which I know it's not barbecue, it's like, but you deep fry a whole turkey and it's like this massive big pot full of oil. And then you dunk a frozen turkey or not frozen, but a raw turkey in oil to deep fry it. He tells me it's the leading cause of house fires in Missouri, these things. They're absolutely nuts. But anyway.
0: (laughs) Wow, wow. Crazy stuff. I'm going to have to get a little uh, voiceover done that says, neither the Flaming Mongrels nor Smoking Hot Confessions recommend cross threading your gas connections.
1: <laughs> do, do, yeah, just get them changed properly. That's right.
0: <laughs> do not try this at home.
1: <laughs> Far out.
0: So, what is the hardest part about being on a barbecue team?
1: Mate, nothing. <laughs> There's nothing hard about being on a barbecue team. It's not hard, it's bloody tiring. And by the last hand in on comp day, on, you know, it's, uh, you're getting pretty sick of barbecue, but it's not, there's nothing hard about it at all. I, I love it. Our team loves it. it. There's nothing hard about it at all. Love it.
0: I find it's, it's sometimes difficult for me to keep the energy levels up for it, um, particularly like at competitions and things, you know, staying up all night, running around back and forth the various partying and shenanigans that go on through the night and uh, to be doing it. Which week mostly up, the
1: it's the, mostly the reason we do it. So it, it's been compared to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to quote my good friend uh, Mikey from the Shank brothers here and say every barbecue competition, is like going camping with 150 of your best mates and uh, you just, you, you go and have a few cans and you go and chat to a new, few new blokes you learn a few new things about cooking. You learn a few new things about barbecue, mate. It's not hard. It's fantastic.
0: I like that. That's a that's a very nice analogy there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, I, I have always loved camping in the first place, but the good the, the, when you're on comp, when you're at a comp, you're usually in a place where you can't camp. You can't light open fires you can't normally do the things that we do at barbecue comps. So it feels a little bit special as well, you know. So to be able to do those sorts of things in places where you're not, you know, we're talking about, you know, Melbourne Olympic Park or, you know, Sydney's Sydney's biggest auditoriums and stadiums where you're mm. uh, lighting fires in the middle of, middle of these places to, to cook barbecue, it's fantastic. Camping out in the swag, it's great.
0: Well, there was actually a competition last year in the domain in Sydney, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, I I actually think it was Olympic Park Meatstock in Sydney. I think it was Olympic Park. I'm not from Sydney, so I can't recall the actual name of the place. But um, it was it was the massive car park at the time. It was the biggest barbecue competition held in Australia, possibly in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm sure the promoters would be able to give you the details. But uh, it, it was massive. You know, we had hundreds and thousands of people come to visit and watch us cook barbecue. In the middle of Sydney, it was fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's not often that you get to uh, camp out and light fires in the middle of the city there, is it? It's All true. good fun. All good fun. Great
1: thing. Yeah.
0: So this season, mate, you took out a grand champion prize. What was that experience
1: like? We did. So we got uh, – we were invited to compete at the Rockhampton Brahmin Barbecue Battle. So there was like a Brahmin – uh, conference, it was the world conference for Brahmin breeders, and uh, there was a little competition on the side. There was only like 10 or 11 teams, something like this. Uh, it was massive. So we were last in, we were last to bump in because, of course, we drove from the Gold Coast up to Rock Anton. And uh, you know, at that stage, we were still cooking on uh, Weber kettles, UDSs, and, uh, and our little <laughs> little Charbroil coke can, uh, which we'll talk about a bit later. Um, and, you know, we'd competed at quite a few competitions and we'd, we'd heard our name called at a at a presentation. It was at Meatstock where we got seventh in brisket or something like that. But when we heard our first call-up, what's called a call-up, uh, is when they're doing the presentations and, uh, you know, it's time to give out a prize or a trophy or, or we call it hardware or I call it hardware. Uh, And they called out Flaming Mongols. Like they called out third and then second. And then as usual, we're like, okay, we we haven't done any well in this this particular category. This is for pork ribs. And uh, they called out Flaming Mongols for first place. And we're like, holy crapola. we've, uh, We've just won a first place in a barbecue competition. And it's the best feeling ever. It's the best feeling ever. We ended up at that competition getting second in seafood as well. Uh, if you want to be picky, we actually got equal first with with uh, the the guys from uh, Double Barrel, uh, who of course has just recently competed in the states and done amazingly well. Oh, didn't with, they? Wow. Uh, yeah, with a second place and a first place, we're sitting at the we're sitting at the table. So when Grand Champion uh, Prize, uh, the, when the call out started coming in for the you know the champion of the day, the guys sitting across from us, uh, Chris O from uh, from Smoking Hot Bros, like, you, you blacks are in for a chance here. And we're like, oh, mate, unbel- you know, this, this isn't right. And then when they called out the reserve runner-up and they hadn't called our name yet, like, holy dooly, this could be us. <laughs> we, we were like, it was at the old, it was at the, uh, the grounds. we're in this old barn, fed income. I reckon we probably touched the roof with our hands. We just jumped up so high. It was amazing. So good.
0: So it was like, uh, like Jeff Kennett with his um, Sydney gets the Olympics jump,
1: type, type thing. That's exactly right. <laughs> but I think, uh, I think that competition, uh, the Flaming Mung was shocked a few of the few of the big name teams. You know, there was some amazing Queensland teams at that competition. Double Barrel Smoking Hot Bros, Shank Brothers, Barbecue Mafia. Uh, it, it, it was a it was a tough competition, and when the little guys cooking on, you know. Homemade, cheap uh, barbecues come out and take a grand championship. I think it. I think it shocked a few people, including us. You know, you, now all of a sudden we're uh, we're we're cooking great barbecue that's that's competition competition winning worthy. So we were pretty stoked.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, mate, you mentioned a a coke can smoker. Can you tell us a bit more about that,
1: mate? I <laughs> when I started barbecue. I, I, again, I still didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know what to look for, I did, and I've seen it go around in the forums and the and the Facebook groups now about where do I start? How do I get involved, mate? I I, I found a, a, a smoker on special at Anaconda, right? And you probably they probably don't even normally sell barbecues or whatever, but mate, it was forty four dollars. I'm not joking you. So this thing was like a the Charbroil brand, which I'm sure you can. I think they sell them now in Bunnings or, or uh, a Barbecue Galore. It was tiny. the The diameter of the thing was probably about oh, maybe 12 inches or less. <laughs> uh, it,
0: was,
1: it was probably only uh, maybe 30 inches long, so it, you couldn't fit a regular brisket in it. You know, you, we were cooking at our first Port Macquarie competition. We cooked on this thing. Uh, you know, a brisket from the local butcher, something that you might find at Aldi at the moment, you know, it was tiny, it was like 1.8 kilos or something. But look, it was a, it, it is a Coke and it was as thin as you like. You had to assemble it like an Ikea bloody, you know, uh, Allen keys and all this sort of stuff. It leaked smoke like a fly screen submarine, but it was an offset smoker. I did have to cook with fire uh, and, the whole idea about buying this barbecue was to learn about fire control, learn about smoke and learn how not to get the wrong smoke, you know, not to get the wrong smoke and get the right sort of smoke. And, mate, we, we produced some good barbecues, barbecue on it and that barbecue was still being used when we won our grand championship. So it, it's a it was a cracker little barbecue. It has since rusted out. Um I did happen to buy two because two for forty four, two for eighty eight dollars. Why wouldn't you? I gave one to fellow team member Adrian, and he's still cooking on his now. So I ended up, I ended up, I ended up. Uh, I won't say trading it in, but I gave it to Rob from Radar Hill when we, uh, when we, when we ended up with a Radar Hill smoker. Rob's like, can you give me a little? Can you give me a little Coke can smoker? and uh, I'll put it on display in the factory. So maybe one day he'll pimp it out for me, but uh, we'll
0: see. <laughs> you'll uh, When you next upgrade your radar hill, it'll just come like wrapped inside the cooking chamber of the big of one. The yeah, fit, fit the smoker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. But, uh, mate, the last time I bought a brisket cost me $95, so two smokers for 88 If you're looking at getting into barbecue, you can't do much better than that.
1: Well, it was a great start, and I, I mean, I've got I've got some more uh, some more ideas for 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 people wanting to get into it. We'll talk about that a bit later on as well. But I, I just think you don't need a lot of money to get started in smoking. It appears to be from the outside, it appears to be an expensive uh, uh, style of cooking, but I I don't think so at all. The whole the history behind it, of course, is you know, it's 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 for the hillbillies. It's for it's for the it's for the people that you know couldn't afford to cook expensive cuts of meat. So you shouldn't have to be forking out thousands and thousands of dollars for a cooker either, you know. On the comp circuit, it might be a different, different uh, scenario. But if you're just cooking barbecue at home, you, you definitely don't need, you know, expensive gear.
0: Yeah, well said, well said. My mother-in-law's from Arkansas and she's, uh, she's the one that, that got me into uh, into barbecue. And um, she was telling me that when she was growing up in the, like in the 50s in, in Arkansas, barbecue was, uh, was what, the poor people ate. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the, the, the origins of it. It was how do we get the cheapest piece of meat and turn it into something that we actually want to eat. So.
1: And become amazingly tasty. And, of course, now, uh, as we all know, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing at the moment and uh, you can get it at the best restaurants, you know, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the categories at the comp you took out was Brahmin Hump which is quite unique. And so that must have been quite a tricky comp to win. What makes the mongrels barbecue unique?
1: Okay. Flaming mongrels, uh, it, what we're trying to achieve now is consistency. So we did compete in Brahman hump category. Um, we didn't place in the Brahman hump category at uh, at that competition. However, if, if it was included in the grand championships, we still would have won, which is a nice thing to know, you know. So, with the consistency, is what we're about now. To that end, like we've invested in uh, and uh, we've invested in a cracker 24 inch radar, uh, it's an unbelievably great barbecue. It what it does is it, it kind of lets us replicate results that we try at home, and we can we can do that again in competitions easier. So when we practice uh, for comp, you know, when we turn up to comp, it gives us a chance to have consistency. Look, we still use our Weber kettle. We still use our ugly drum smokers. Um, and as I say, Adrian still has the old uh, cocaine oil, But our, our unique situation is we probably try and cook great barbecue on a variety of pits, you know. We... We were a little late getting to the real big expensive pits. I think we've shown that we can get great results on, on cheap and homemade barbecue pits. So that's probably our unique factor. When we, when we won that comp, as I say, we surprised a few people going, are you blokes fair income? How did you win on that? Well, guess what? You know, we can cook. So
0: so is it fair to say that the mongrels were the underdogs?
1: I think it's been well known for a little while that the mongrels are the underdogs. Um, and we're pretty happy with that. We're happy to be the uh, the guys that people go, oh, could they beat us? Or you know, but we'll see how we go.
0: Hardly the underdogs anymore, mate. If you've taken out a grand championship,
1: yeah, I think now people and other teams see us as you know, we, we we're not winning. You know, we haven't won two comps. I don't know whether I'm sure some of the big t- name teams have won you know a couple of comps, but we're getting consistent call ups um so we've got a trophy this year in pork ribs we've got a trophy in seafood we've picked up a trophy in chicken we've picked up a couple of trophies in brisket so and we got the grand championship so the consistency is something that we're pretty keen on doing so
0: awesome yeah in in episode eight we had a big chat with uh, lucas armstrong from rolling smoke on consistency so that was quite interesting
1: absolutely I, it, these days when we get together as a team we talk about how the consistency of our barbecue is so important. So that's something we're focusing on.
0: Awesome. For those listeners who are unfamiliar with the Brahmin cow that we're referring to, the Brahmin is the one with the hump on its back kind of like a camel. So when we're talking about cooking Brahmin hump, we're actually talking about that camel-like hump on their back. It's uh, amazingly delicious and inspired a competition. It's a very interesting sort of newish cut of meat to the circuit.
1: When we were at that uh, competition, of course, all the Brahmin breeders were there and they were really surprised at the way we cooked Brahmin hump in the barbecue over this long period of time. So the, the, bar, the Brahmin breeders have known for a long time that the, the hump is, uh, you know, good for eating, but they've never seen it cooked the way we cooked it before. So I think it even surprised some of them. How did they usually cook it? Uh, as, as usual with most... Uh, you know uh, secondary cuts or this i don't even know whether this qualifies as a secondary cut slow cook in the slow cooker or slow in the oven but you know never on a barbecue you know
0: ah gotcha all right so we've talked about the Mongols being underdogs you've started at the bottom and winning a gc puts you at the top with the best of them what is it about barbecue that's made you dedicate yourself to it so completely
1: we are dedicated to it and our wives and uh, our families will tell you that but uh, the, the love of it is just amazing. We All we want to do is cook great barbecue for our family, for our friends. Uh, we want to cook great barbecue to do well in competition. Um, we have dedicated ourselves to it. We're not giving up. We're, we're ready for season 2017. Um, I just love it. You know, you sit around the backyard, you light the fire, put some meat on, prepare it. Mow the lawn, have a couple of cans, push the kids on the swing. It, it's it's really family family orientated, um, and I know you know the old Aussie style of cooking barbecue, where you turn on the gas grill and you know cook a couple of snags and chops, or whatever. But the length of time that's involved in low and slow is what really I like it a lot. You can you know hang out hang outside all day. That's great. I love it
0: yeah it it definitely affords you much more uh, quality time with the family when you're all out in the backyard there together
1: well oh, absolutely the the, the the time spent with the family and I know my my wife will tell you differently in that you know oh, are you cooking barbecue today oh, you're not going to but i I am out with the kids and the kids will you know they know you know when the barbecue's on that dad's going to at least be around today and you know we can sit and play and have a good time so yeah i think it I think it does uh, lend itself towards family time. You're listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pit master, Ben Arnott.
0: righty, Brett. The meat of what we wanted to get into today, if you'll pardon the pun, is sponsorship. And I know that the mongrels are quite active um, in that area. And so that's what I've asked you to come in and talk to us about today. So my first question for you is, what is sponsorship and why should teams be interested in finding sponsorship?
1: Okay, so I guess we didn't even realise there was sponsorship going around and we've seen a couple of teams getting sponsored earlier on and we weren't quite understanding of what it was all about. I guess sponsorship is when brands or companies or products decide to partner with a barbecue team uh, And, of course, if they're going to do that, they're interested in their brand as much as they will be interested in you. Um, You know, they want to further promote their products, which is, of course, why people spend money on marketing and advertising. Uh, So why should teams be interested in finding sponsorship? Mostly because the competition circuit can be expensive. Uh, It doesn't have to be, but it can be expensive. If you're looking to, you know, buy good quality meat, which is a fantastic start for when you're cooking competition barbecue. Uh, if you're looking to travel long distances like the Gold Coast to Sydney or Gold Coast to Melbourne, you've got to be able to have a trailer and uh, and fuel and camping and entry fees and all these sorts of things. So I think teams should be interested in finding sponsorship, mostly because it just offsets a little bit of the cost. Now, I'm not saying that the cost should fall all towards the sponsors, obviously this is our uh, this is our hobby, this is our passion, so of course we're prepared to you know spend money on it. However, I think when there's an equal return for the sponsor and an equal return for the team, then it's a win-win situation. I think why should you not go a sponsorship? the more you know offsets that we can uh, you know in, in the money department in the dollars department. That we can garnish, then you know the better off the better off we're going to be. I think it's I think it's a great idea.
0: Absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right. I um, yeah, I, I think if you're in a team of four and you're splitting the 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 cost between you, if it's like you and three friends, then you know it's it's quite manageable. Um, if you're a smaller team, you got to remember that the people out there need to remember that. Um, those costs are then doubled or even quadrupled if they're just going in as a team of one. So you've got to sort of weigh all that up as well. And that's why we're talking about sponsorship is how to, how to, I guess, um, lessen the burden and also promote the sport at the same time.
1: Sure. When we, before we had sponsorship, you 're right, we are a team of four, so we are able to split our costs four ways, uh, and everyone was uh, agreed to that when we started we uh, when we were paying for it, we went to Port Macquarie in two thousand and fifteen uh, and the the trip overall, including everything, cost us about a thousand dollars, so between four of us, two hundred and fifty dollars for everything and I mean that was everything the booze, the meat, the entry fee, the camping everything that we needed. So 250 bucks and we were away for four days. So it's not like it's majorly expensive. You can't, to go camping for four days and cook barbecue and be involved in a competition, 250 bucks a person's a a pretty good result, to be honest. Absolutely. As you say, say, however, there are teams of one or two or three. So for $1,000 for a one-man team, uh, it's obviously a little bit more expensive to go away for four days. So my advice definitely is stop hanging out with yourself, grab some mates and barbecue with some boys. That's what I shouldn't say boys, barbecue with whoever you like, but grab a team together, get more people involved in it. Most competitions now will have, uh, uh, you know, will allow four people in the team. Uh, others will, you know, they, they might even have visitor passes or whatever it may be. So get more people involved. It's it's a great it's a great way to get you know, friends and family together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great advice there. Very nice. Um, so what is the current state of sponsorship in an Australian competitive barbecue? Is it possible to make a full-time job out of barbecue with sponsorship like it is at the States? And I asked that question... <laughs> I asked that question because I was listening to a podcast um, from the States a few weeks ago and this guy was talking about uh, $50,000 a year sponsorships from companies over in the States. So where are we at with sponsorship in Australia in general? So without dropping names of particular sponsors and discussing deals.
1: Sure. I can tell you the family Michaels are not sponsored for $50,000 a year, straight up. Um, the current state of sponsorship in Australian barbecue is fairly good. It, the idea behind it is that obviously brands and companies want to be involved. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hobby that's becoming a little bit more popular around the, around the place. So it, as I said before, it's a win-win situation. It's a win for the competitors. It's a win for the sponsors. Is it possible to make a full-time job out of barbecue or sponsorship? In Australia at this point in time, I'm going to say no, but I'm going to say no if you're just a competitor. If you're cooking really great barbecue, you can definitely uh, have a full-time job if you're into the catering side or if you are into, you know, doing pop-up events, or that type of thing. But it's definitely, you know, you're earning money by cooking barbecue. It's definitely not sponsorship. I, I, The the population of Australia and the type of sponsorship deals that are available, I I don't think we're close to seeing barbecue teams, you know, with the likes of Cool Smoke and Tuffy and, you know, where they make a living out of just competing at barbecue competitions yet. I don't think we're anywhere close just yet.
0: Okay. So in terms of um, the sponsorship deals that that are out in Australia, is it more, uh, just following on from what you said before, is it more like... Products rather than cash.
1: Yes and no. I, I think obviously the sponsor needs to be happy with the deal that you do with them. Uh, obviously, you're not. We're not going to find a petrol sponsor, for example. You know, we've paid for petrol when we go to these big long events. You know, we're not going to find a, a sponsorship for a McDonald's on the way to the drive. You know, that we stop at lunch. It's just not going to happen. So. When we look for sponsorship, we try and mix it up for both. Um, Of course, barbecue products and barbecue-related brands and, and companies are obviously where we start with. But as we talked about before, you know, camping and hanging out and drinking with your mates, there are a few little side sponsorships that can be helpful, you know, if you're looking for something to drink while you're cooking barbecue, you know, and there's plenty of brands that would like to get involved in that.
0: Particularly if you use them in your sauces and your marinades too
1: absolutely and whether it be beer or wine or bourbon or you know it, it all of those types of things go for your sauces and your marinades and of course it's good for there it's an association by if a brand wants to be associated with barbecue then obviously and we are talking grog here you know if a brand wants to be associated with i think it's a good thing it's a social activity and and you know, with social activities in Australia, come sitting down and, and cracking a can. So,
0: excellent. So that that sort of leads me into my next question: um, What sponsor types do teams need? Would you say? So, like pits meets.
1: Yeah. Okay. Look, I we have a range of sponsors. Um, if if it's associated with barbecue, have a go. So. Yes, we have a pit sponsor. Yes, we have a meat sponsor. We also have a fuel sponsor. We have a, a rub sponsor. Uh, we have a we have a, we have an alcohol sponsor. Um, look, originally, before we got sponsorship deals, we were trying to get sponsors from uh, whoever would be associated, whoever wanted to be uh, associated with us. So uh, we originally got a sponsorship deal you're not going to believe this from a fruit and vegetable company right now, Okay. Yeah, yep. Unbelievable. you know we were told hey these guys are interested in talking to you we talked to them they gave us they gave us cash only uh, and parsley of course uh, but it wasn't a it wasn't an ongoing sponsorship deal it was a one-off event sponsorship where we got to compete in an event you know and we we were sponsored by a fruit and vegetable company Uh So we got cash for that. It was great, but uh, it wasn't something that Flaming Mongrels saw as an ongoing thing. We didn't, you know, didn't look into it any further. But try everything. If it's associated with barbecue, then, you know, have a chat to the sponsor, see what you think.
0: So in your opinion, what are the odds of first-timers getting sponsorship, people that are new to competition?
1: Sure, sure. Why not? Uh, Look, there's plenty of local suppliers and, and, of course, the biggest one... Most people look for, I reckon, is probably the meat. So, you know, if you're cooking, uh, you know, when we did our first comps, we cooked one brisket, one rack of lamb, you know, one rack of pork ribs, and we might have spent 250 bucks on meat. These days, if you, you you know, if you're looking for a for a wagyu brisket, you know, with a nice marble score, and you know, six racks of pork ribs to make sure that you can get the best best bones you can get, um, meat's expensive, um, but there are local suppliers. Local butcher shops, you know, that are that would be keen. I can't see why they wouldn't be keen. The the growing number of barbecue uh, you, uh, participants nowadays, you, you've only got a seat in the butcher shops already. They're already selling shiners, uh, which, of course, is the, the, the pork ribs with no real meat on top. It's mostly the intercostal, which is a shame. And you can see the price of them. They're 30 bucks a kilo at some shops. So they're already selling beef ribs, you know. It, they're, they're, they're interested in selling their meat and if you're going to give them something that can help them sell meat then why wouldn't a local butchery be interested in sponsoring you it's good for business to be associated with something like barbecue just in your local community it doesn't have to be a, you know, a national brand at all
0: what should competitors look for in a sponsor then
1: well, when we started looking for sponsors, uh, of course we needed some equal values. I know that Outlook, Flaming Mongrels, we're a, we're backyard cooks. We're definitely not chefs. We're definitely not caterers. Um, you know, so we're looking for we're looking for uh, companies and and brands that are have equal values as us. So, you know, there's no point in us going out to the most amazing and i'm not going to name names here but the most amazing you know uh naturally bred and 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 all these uh, beef farms and beef producers that have got just meat that is unattainable to the backyard cook so our fans that we've noticed uh and when i say our fans you know we've, we've got a few followers and a few likers on facebook and we're backyard kind of guys so we're looking when we garnished our meat sponsor super butcher it's and in Queensland, Brisbane and the Gold Coast, uh, Super Butcher is accessible to people who already like us. So we can use their product. We can show people that, you know, it's available every day. You can go and get it. So, you know, the equal values are important. Um, it appeals to our fans. That's the type of thing we like. We also have a sponsorship from, from Heat Beads, which is a, you know, a product that you can buy at Woolworths. It's, it's, uh, it's easily accessible, it's easy to use, you know, and so when we, and we, we used it already. So we were already using these products before we went to talk to them about sponsorship. So that helps too, I reckon.
0: Definitely. Absolutely it does. So sponsorship is not a one-way street. It's not all just teams approaching people for free stuff, as a lot of people sort of seem to get the idea in their heads. Um, through that. Through that. What do teams need to do to attract sponsors?
1: It's important. I mean, back in the old days, you know, the local football club would go down to the bakery or they'd go down to the butcher shop or they'd go to their Maccas and say, Hey, give me free stuff. You know, we're the local football team. It it, it is 2016 and brands are interested in uh, what, you know, their sponsored people can do for them. And there's no doubt about that. So, You know, a logo on a sign at a competition is just not going to cut anymore. You know, give us a bunch of free meat and we'll put your logo up at a sign, uh, uh, you know, your logo on a sign at a competition. It won't cut it. Um, So you've got to be present for them. We find that... If you love them already, if you're using their product already, it's an easy way to uh, talk to them. Hey, we already use uh, heat beads. We already use radar heels. Hey, guess what, Moonshine Barbecue? We used your rubs at a competition and we didn't even tell you. You know, we purchased them and tried them and loved them and then used them at a competition and got a result. So how about we look at you know maybe doing something together? You've now got a you know a, a place getting a place getting protein using your rubs. Let's do something to help you sell your rubs. So I think that's important. Um, if you you're trying to attract a sponsor, you've got to have an audience. So you need to create the audience. And you've got to have. You know, someone to talk to. There's no point in just cooking at barbecue competitions. It's like you're preaching to the converted. You go to a barbecue competition and all the teams have already got their favorite rubs, their favorite sauces, their favorite fuel suppliers. There's no point in trying to talk to them about, hey, you guys should be using this because they're not going to, that's, that's not what they're interested in. It's about the following, you know, the audience. So it's important to start. Your Instagram. It's important to start your Facebook. It's important to start your blog. It's important to start your website, uh, and and get it up and running. Get some people interested in what you're doing. And as I say, our our uh, modus operandi is backyard cooking. We're you know we're not catering. We're not looking to do all the big fancy things that some of the teams are doing. And I think it's amazing. It's as as family men. All four of our team members are family men with kids, uh, and. You know, our fans are backyard family dads, you know, so get those fans involved, you know. Um, The most important thing I think also when you're attracting sponsors or trying to attract a sponsor is is always give them more than what they can ask for. So we are all about trying to make sure, and it's hard, it's really hard, but trying to make sure that if you offer something do more. So when we when we go to sponsors and ask for things, we already have a list of things that we can do and we make that list super long. So, okay, we want some meat. In return, we're going to give you this, 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 and this. And most of the things that they're looking for, I think, uh, is content, which is important for their marketing and their social media. So we take lots of photos of course we're doing product placement that's a requirement um we're taking videos we uh we get looked after very nicely by buffalo trace bourbon and we have a little series running uh called drinks with friends and you know we take videos we have chat with people you know fans real people um about you know coming to a barbecue competition and and hanging out with your mates and having a drink and we take a raw video we're not videographers we're definitely not media savvy in any way shape or form but we offer some content that they can use on their channels to just to show their fans that they're you know they're dealing with the average person and i think i think that's important to them they like to see they like to see you know the the raw side of it as well i think it's important
0: i think it's an important point to make too just just on what you were saying there about making content and the fact that your your content is focused on uh, you know, backyard barbecuing. It's important for people to realise that the content that you're making needs to be pitched at the same uh, needs to be pitched on the same angle as what the company's looking at. So your your vision needs to be in line with theirs. You need to make sure that when you're looking for sponsors, that um, that the direction you're heading is the same direction they're going, so that your messages are congruent.
1: Absolutely, the heat beads is the prime example. It's the it's the fuel source that most people know about. It's the fuel source that if anyone's going to start out in the backyard with a Weber or you know with a Weber kettle or something to that effect, it's available and usable and can produce a great result. So it is. It it, it matches well with the flaming mongrels. Our sponsors have done well like that.
0: So we're talking about um, about the fact that uh, it's not a one way street. The fact that um, teams need to understand that. If they are chasing sponsors, they need to offer something in return. So the next question is probably, I think, the hardest for teams to wrap their heads around. And that is, how do teams put a price on what they can offer a sponsor? So you were talking about saying, you know, your your example was give us some meat and we'll do A, B, C, D, E. How do you measure what you can offer and put a price on that when you're approaching a sponsor?
1: Good question. Uh, the answer, I reckon, is go high. <laughs> um, but, like, ask, ask for a lot but give a lot more in return. Uh, but give things that don't have an absolute dollar value. So you're not going to try and swap $500 cash and $500 product worth of $1,000 worth of marketing. We're not a marketing company. We don't know what $1,000 worth of marketing value to a brand can look like. So the idea is that if we can offer things that don't have a dollar value, literally don't have a dollar value, then they go, "Oh, that's a great idea." And we brainstorm these ideas as as a team. What can we do for brands like the like the uh, drink drinks with friends with with Buffalo Trace, and, and like uh, we you know we do small videos for Heat Beads where we talk about their products and just you can't put a price on it. So. If, they would, if, the, if the brands were to go externally to, you know, the advertising or the, or the they're going to pay way more physical, you know, a, a, an invoice that's worth way higher than what we're actually asking for. We're not looking for tens of thousands of dollars worth of sponsorship, you know. So if we can offer something that we feel has good value for the brand and they can see that it's good value, then for them to give us 500 bucks worth of product, whether it be, you know, heat beads or bourbon, I think they feel like they're good at getting a good deal and therefore we think we're, we're getting a good deal. So everyone is a winner. It has to be equal, you know.
0: Mm. All righty, Brett. So what is the best way for a team to approach a sponsor?
1: I think most importantly is be prepared. Don't just walk into your local butcher shop and say, hey, do you want to give me some free meat? I think you need to be prepared. I think you need to have... Some sort of presentation, whether it be you know a page about the t- about your team, you know where you talk about what you do. It's difficult sometimes to explain to people what low and slow competitions and the and the Australasian Barbecue Alliance circuit is about. So you need to have some background. Um, show what you can offer them. Uh, as I talk about, you need to be able to give them some value for what you're wanting in return. Um, always be upfront about asking for what you want. If you want your butcher to give you free meat for competitions, ask for that. Don't beat around the bush. Uh, If you want to get, uh, let's say, wholesale pricing for your meat for the whole year so you can get wholesale pricing for all of your practice cooks, all of your home cooking, all of your uh, competition cooking, ask for that. Uh, I think it's important to get get to know their product first as well Uh, I think there's nothing worse than, you know, butcher shopping, you know, running into the next butcher. Hey, do you want to give us some free meat? Hey, do you want to give us some free meat? It's not really going to work that well. Become a customer first. Um, Really love what they've got to offer. So uh, preparation is important. Know what what you want. Show them what you can offer and uh, and get to know their product as well. Be prepared. It's important.
0: So prepare a kind of a dossier on your on your own team and and what you can offer them. Is it a good idea, you're talking about already being a customer, if you've got, say, for example, a post already that you've put up using their product and then take a screenshot of that and show them like things like the reach on the post and all that sort of stuff? Do you find that, the that say, your average butcher shop is into seeing the numbers?
1: I think your average butcher shop not so much, but I think if they were to see that and realise that you're getting, you know, 200 or 500 or 2000 people on a reach on a a, you know on your facebook or 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 on your instagram i think it might you know give them a little bit of a surprise about the uh, you know the 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 reach that is available to them via you Uh, 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 don't go and make a post the day before and then rock up the next day and go hey look i put this up yesterday can you sponsor me Uh, If you like the butcher, you're probably already in a small relationship with them anyway. You can have a chat because most butcher shops aren't stocking uh, all the type of cuts. So you you would have already uh, been in a relationship with them. So do the things that they're not expecting you to do. Yes, you know, tag them in Facebook posts and Instagram posts. Do this for a little while beforehand. The season is long. You know, there's competitions, you know, so often now that, you know, and you've got to do a lot of practice cooks. And if you're into barbecue, it's it's open to great photos. Start to create your audience. I think the little butcher shop would be impressed to say to see how much reach is available.
0: Mate, I once received a sponsorship offer that I turned down because after I did my due diligence of what my end of the deal was going to be, I worked out it was going to cost me over $18,000 over two years so that I could save $3,000 on a smoker I was still going to have to pay another $3,000 for. So the next question is, how can teams evaluate an offer from a sponsor?
1: Uh, Okay, that's a very good question. You're going to have to be prepared to work, in quotation marks, for the sponsor. So understand that this will take like your own time and your own effort, so you can you can do the maths. Like if you're being offered a meat sponsorship, that means you have to, or not, well, that you've offered to do uh, a barbecue demonstration out the front of their butcher shop every Saturday for two months, and it's going to take, you know, low and slow it takes a long time. But even if it's a short two hours, man, do the maths. It, 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 you know, if you've got to put in hundred hours worth of work to get you know 400 bucks worth of meat is it really going to be worth your time so although the dollar value we talked about earlier on offering things that don't have dollar value your time and effort is still worth something to to our team the flaming mongrels as i said we are family men so our time is spent with family the best we can if you're a you know younger single Relationship kind of guy that's happy to go and sit out the front of the butcher shop for, for you know every weekend, and you think that that is a worthwhile way to spend your time in return for not having to pay for meat, then that's a good deal. It's not going to work out for everybody, but you know, do the maths, work it out is it going to be worth your time? If you're going to spend eighteen thousand dollars over two years just to save three thousand dollars, doesn't seem like a good deal. It's you know, when when you get offered sponsorship, especially if let's say someone offers sponsorship to you out of the blue, you know, someone approaches you that you haven't approached them, you know, what's what do they want from you? So, yes, do your maths, do your homework, understand if it's going to be value to you as well.
0: There's a lot of things that um, that a lot of people sort of forget about when they're looking at these sponsorship deals as well and it's things like, you know, Uh, In return, I need to do X number of competitions per year. Okay, so where are those competitions? How far away are they? What's it going to cost me in fuel, for example, to get there? And adding up all those little costs in there as well when you're considering a, uh, a, a, a sponsorship deal.
1: Sure. Look, at the end of the day, remember that the sponsorship is really only an offset we still love what we do where we have always been prepared to pay for our hobby. Um, it just is a little bit nice. If there's a win for two parties, you know, we're not trying to, we're not trying to scam the system or, you know, we, we're happy to, we're happy to spend our money on the things that we love, which is barbecue. So
0: yeah, yeah, you've, you've got it exactly right there. It's, it's got to work both ways. There's got to be ROI for, for both parties, return on investment for both parties. Um, mutually beneficial, I think, was the term you used there, which was very nice.
1: True. This segment is proudly sponsored by Coastline Barbecues and Heating. With stores in Oxenford, Southport, and the Tweed, they are the Gold Coast's only Weber specialist.
0: Alrighty, Brett, we're in the third segment of the interview now, and I've just brought our live listener in. We've got Matt with us today. There were four other people that uh, have been unfortunately unable to join us live this morning because we're up at, uh, we had a 7am kickoff for this this morning, and I think most people on a Saturday morning are still in bed. There's only the hard workers like yourself that are up, uh, up and gone at this time.
1: And hopefully they've lit their pits already. It's too busy tending to their barbecues, but...
0: Oh, yes, yes, ah. Oh. I'm an idiot. Of course, that's what it is. Of course, that's what it
1: is.
0: (laughs) All right. So um, I'll start with the question from Daryl. Daryl wants to know, what are your views on wrapping and not the stupid songs? He's talking about wrapping the meat. Um, Some do, some don't. Is it necessary to keep in the moisture and avoid drying the meat as it cooks or are you content just to seal the meat?
1: Okay. So if, if you're cooking at home and you've got time, don't wrap. If you're cooking for competition, uh, try not to wrap. However, most likely time and time constraints and turn-in times will mean that you'll have to do some sort of wrapping, uh, whether it be pink paper, aluminium foil or boating. Um, the, the, the idea of wrapping, of course, the Texas crutch or whatever you'd like to call it, is to move along a piece of meat through its stall stage. So if you're at home... If you've got, as I say, if you've got the time, uh, just let it go. If you, you know, let it go, you'll, you'll, you'll definitely get a better bark, which is the outside crust. You'll definitely get a better bark if you don't wrap, especially if you're wrapping with foil, because, of course, you're going to create sort of a, a moist environment in there. If to say that meat gets or stays moist because you wrap is not necessarily the case. Um, I feel that if you can not wrap, then you've had a great result. Mostly if you're going to wrap your meat, it's, it's because of time.
0: All righty. Excellent. Thank you very much for that one. Um, Alan, bit of a cheeky question here, I think. He wants to know, do you miss your original team name of Beers, Boys and Barbecue? <laughs> of
1: course he does. Yes, that's right. So we originally started on the circuit as uh, Beers Boys Barbecue. We competed in Port Macquarie in 2014 as Beers Boys Barbecue. And then, yes, when we were on Aussie Barbecue Heroes, uh, we were given the name. We didn't choose it. We were given the name The Flaming Mongrels. We were originally a little bit concerned that The Flaming Mongrels might have been uh, tried to be portrayed by the, the TV producers as a bit bogan, don't know. Um, but larrikin, that's not the way
0: larrikin. I mean. Let's let, Let's go with larrikin.
1: larrikin. Larrikin suits our team a lot. Um, so uh, when Adrian and I had finished uh, Barbecue Heroes, we discussed with the team uh, about changing our name to Flaming Mungles. We think it fits our style. I, I don't miss Beers Boys Barbecue, but it always has a bit of a place in our heart, Alan, and you know full well it does have a place in our heart. We will always be... Uh, the boys that were originally Beers Boys Barbecue.
0: Fantastic. Susan would like to know, is it true that you have a chicken whisperer on your team?
1: (laughs) We do. We do have a chicken whisperer on our team. Chris O is our chicken whisperer. He cannot get enough of the dirty bird, Uh, the fake protein, if you like, Uh, but he loves it. He will cook chicken more often than anyone I know, and will try a thousand different recipes and a thousand different sauces and a thousand different uh, techniques to try and get his bird right. Um, and luckily, I live next door to him, so I get to eat a, a, a fair bit of chicken as well. So, chicken, uh, Chris, the chicken whisperer, is on our team. That's a correct. That's a correct and true piece of information.
0: That's very handy to have your teammates just living over the fence,
1: mate. It is good. We chat there. Chris and I chat every day. Mm. Um, I love it.
0: Have you actually like cut a gate into the fence so you can just like pass backwards and forwards through each other's yards?
1: Well, we're actually we're actually across the road from each other, so we tend to uh, we tend to drink beers on the driveway. Oh, Okay,
0: I thought yeah. you were going to tell me that you'd built like an overpass or something, or or one or of those, you on one of
1: those booth, or? yeah, that's right, one of those sheds that uh, that we all back onto each other where you change the mower blades and there's actually a pool table and a, and a video arcade machine in there. Not quite, I'm afraid. <laughs>
0: next time next time you'll have to buy the four houses on the block altogether and just turn it into a flaming mongrel's compound can't wait <laughs> all right uh dave would like to know do you have difficulty keeping your very social and people-loving team members focused and not off like mr squiggle on fake pit raids and guest appearances <laughs> that that sounds a bit like an insider question to me
1: uh, okay, so let me just have a think about that. Do I have difficulty keeping my very social and people-loving team members focused? <laughs> I do. We are a social team. We're definitely a social team. We are a people-loving team. Uh, during important times of the competitions, uh, we, we huddle together, we stay in our tent, we do the work that needs to be done, whether it be prepping or scraping skin or mixing rubs or whatever it is that we need to do while we're doing competition, we're definitely focused. We, we sit and write our time boards, um, you know, where we you know timelines that we know we've got to do. However, barbecue competitions are social, and pit raids are important, and guest appearances are important at other team members at other team's pits. and so once all the important work is done, pit raids and team appearance and guest appearances are definitely allowed.
0: What exactly is a pit raid? What are you doing there?
1: Well, it's a fake pit raid. It's uh, it's it's definitely uh, some teams decide that they don't want to uh, uh, manage their pits one hundred percent of the time, whether they've got you know pit controllers or whether their barbecue sits on a uh, particular temperature just nicely the way it is. You know, you go and visit other teams' tents, see what they're up to, check them out. You know, maybe see if you can find an esky or two.
0: Right. Okay. So we're not talking about anything nefarious like, you know, turning off someone's barbecue guru while they're at the bathroom or something.
1: Uh oh, definitely, definitely not. That is not <laughs> within you know the confines of what we do. No, that's yeah. More, more is a bit of a hundred and fifty mates camping together, having a good time. <laughs> decided there might be a little bit of a you know a pit raid going on.
0: So, if the barbecue is unattended, that that's off limits. But if the beer, fr- but if the beer esky is unattended, that's fair game.
1: What a silly mistake that is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. All right. Matthew, I'm going to throw the mic over to you, mate. It's your turn to uh, grill Brett.
1: All right. Hi, Brett. Thanks for doing this. No, uh, no problem. Bro. Thanks for chatting. Yeah, sweet. So I've got a bit of a question. So uh, like you spoke before about you being like, your whole team being family men. Um, how has your family managed uh, and dealt with like the competition circuit times and, and like your addiction to barbecue? Um, and... How have you solved that barbecue addiction to your family?
0: Oh, nice one.
1: That's an absolute great question. Uh, let's just start by saying that it is not solved in any way, shape, or form. It is, a, it is an absolute ongoing uh, issue. It's an absolute ongoing issue. Yes. So um, when we first started, every time we would enter a competition, we would you know, go ask the team, do we want to enter this competition? Yes, we want to enter this competition. Then we all would go and literally, I won't say get permission, but get, uh, you know, uh, the the approval and the the ability to go. Of course, we're going to be away from our families. We need to check with the wives. There's no doubt about that. The more and more we became involved and, you know, the more they understand how much it is something that we love. Look, if, if you want to call it our midlife crisis, please call it our midlife crisis. I try and tell my wife, hey, look, at least there's not four Ferraris in the driveway. Um, I'm not riding Harley-Davidson's along the Great Ocean Road. Uh, You know, it's just barbecue if we go away for four four days, you know, six times a year, uh, so be it. One of our team members, um, he tries to plan the year, and 2017 will definitely give us a chance to do that. We try and plan the year ahead. So we're going to lock in, you know, these six or eight competitions so we know what's going to happen. The wives and family are aware that we're going to be away for these times. Of course, we're still asking, you know, we're not telling, but, um, you know, we can, the same way you deal with a sponsor, you deal with your wife. It has to be mutually, benefit, mutually beneficial. So, so there needs to be, uh, be
0: a, a return on investment for the wives and the, and the children.
1: <laughs> Correct. That's an absolute true statement as well. Uh, unfortunately my wife isn't as into barbecue as i'd like her to be you know i'd like her to eat a little bit more barbecue um doesn't really bother me that much because i get to eat more for me but yes you know i swap deals and do deals with my wife to go Yeah, that's what we're going away barbecue again great question man great question
0: Absolutely, the uh, the ROI for my family is uh, is pretty clear. I managed to pick up a trophy once for a beef category, and I only got to hold it for about ninety seconds. And my son, who was about two and a half at the time, just went, "My cow, my cow!" Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. That's his trophy now. I've I've never seen it again. It disappeared into his bedroom, and it's just gone.
1: <laughs> Seems like a great deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, So, Brett, of those questions, we had Matt's question, Daryl's question, Alan, Susan, and Dave. Who would you like to choose to be the winner of our $25 gift voucher proudly sponsored by Coastline Barbecues? Silence there
1: for a second so I can just recall what the questions
0: were. No worries, no worries. I'll I'll recap. So, Matt's question was about uh, families. Yes. Uh, Daryl's question was about wrapping. Alan's question was about the team name. Susan was asking about the Chicken Whisperer, and Dave was talking about, uh, I guess, team control.
1: Uh, I think I think I'd like to go with the, Was it uh, Daryl who asked about rapping? Was that right? The rapping That's right. question. Yep, that's right. I, I think that's a good question. It's in, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good barbecue tip. Uh, I, I think I explained it well. It was a good question. If you want to know those things, let's go with Daryl. Well done.
0: All right, awesome. Congratulations, Daryl. I will uh, get that voucher out to you very shortly, and I will contact you on Facebook to let you know that you have won it. All righty, Brett. So before we wrap it up, I've got one more final question. What would be your top three pieces of advice for a new competitive barbecue team?
1: Okay, cool. I reckon, number one, study as many turn-in boxes as you can. Uh, I reckon judge, well, not even judge, people in general eat with their eyes first. We all know that. We've seen it on the TV competitions. Uh, we've seen it on the chef shows. Um, let's get some. Let's get some cheap and free presentation points. Don't just assume you know what a barbecue turn-in box looks like. Jump on the web, Google it jump on the Facebook groups and see what they look like. Um, Ask other teams to show you pictures if you can uh, and ask why they do particular things in the box. I think that's important. Number two, sign up for a competition near you now, today. Just go and do it. Uh, Then you can get real live advice at a competition. Look, you don't need to spend a lot of money. Pay the entry fee. Go and do the comp. You will learn more at that first competition then you will learn on Facebook and Google not being around other barbecue teams. Just go and do it. Number three is don't spend a lot of money early. Uh, grab yourself a roadside Weber, grab a cheap Weber off Gumtree, build yourself a UDS, uh, buy meat from the local butcher. If it's, if it's Aldi or if it's Costco or if it's any of the, you know, the, the the readily available sources to the majority of the population, don't spend a lot of money early Get your cooking techniques down pat uh, and, and, and start, you know, just start doing it. I think that's important.
0: Fantastic. All top tips. I particularly love that, that first one there. Very nice. All right. I'm going to hand the mic over to you now uh, and give you a minute or two to give some shout-outs and to let the folks out there listening, how they can contact you through the interwebs.
1: Cool. Uh, so, Ben, Thanks. For uh, for letting me have a chat, to you. it's been amazing. Uh, I, I do want to do a couple of quick shouts. Of course, we need to acknowledge the rest of the Flaming Mongols. So Chris Young, uh, the Chicken Whisperer; Adrian Owen, the Wingman; uh, Alan Coe, our Head Prepper and Pit Raider Extraordinaire. Uh, so without those guys, the Flaming Mongols can't do what we do. Uh, it's, we're all the, we're all a team, and we regularly chat uh, together. It, it, I think it's actually quite good that the Four, you know, 40-plus men have, you know, close friends like we do to be able to chat things that, you know, it's important. So um, I'd also like to have a quick shout-out to uh, a few of the other teams that have welcomed us onto their circuit and uh, have really helped us along the way. So Smoking Hot Bros, um, the Natural Born Grillers, Manning Valley Natural Smokers, um, so cracking teams out there that are just social and ready to help. and. Uh, so, those three guys, uh, three teams, they're just crackers. And one last thing, oh, sorry, I, I want to also want to give a bit of a plug to uh, our local competition, the Burley Barbecue. It is barbecue by the beach. It is something that, like I said, you cannot do at any other time of the year. If you sign up for Burley Barbecue, you can camp on the beach side at North Burley with an open fire and a barbecue and a swag and watch the fitness gurus walk past in the morning and watch the sunrise over the ocean and eat barbecue and drink beers and the local Burley barbecue competition. If you haven't signed up for it, go and sign up for it now. And if you want to find uh, if you want to find the Flaming Mongrels on the interwebs, as you say, you can find us on Facebook as uh, Flaming Mongrels. There is no G on the Flaming. Uh, on the in- Instagram, it's Flaming Mongrels Barbecue. Uh, or you can visit our website at flamingmongrels.com.
0: Awesome, mate. Would you like to uh, give your sponsors a mention as well?
1: Absolutely. So we are lucky enough to have some great sponsors. So we'd like to thank uh, the guys from Super Butcher who are our meat sponsors. Um, as part of our meat sponsorship deal, we have, uh, we're doing masterclasses at Super, Butchers, uh, Super Butcher stores on the Gold Coast, so if you are listening in from the Gold Coast, uh, uh, sign up to the Super Butcher newsletter or their Facebook page for updates about when our next masterclass will be. It's most likely going to be early in 2017. We'd like to thank Buffalo Trace Bourbon who keep us well watered at our, uh, at our barbecue competitions. If you happen to get the chance to come to Port Macquarie in 2017, we will again be directing the Buffalo Trace pallet Bar. Um, please come and have a drink with us. Thank you, Buffalo Trace. Thank you to Heat Beads uh, who supply our fuel, uh, Heat Beads and Charcoal and, and the new Coconut Heat Beads as well. Um, they're amazing and easy to use. Please can't do it without them. Uh, moonshine Barbecue Rubs, we've, uh, we've now moved towards uh, using Moonshine Barbecue Rubs, which have now got us uh, second place in brisket. Uh, the flavours are unbelievable. Uh, ben from Moonshine has been amazing and uh, has taught me a lot about uh, doing sponsorship deals as well. So there's some some great advice from him. And of course, uh, you can't go past Rob from Radar Hill Smokers up in Brisbane. We uh, decided to use uh, locally built and Australian manufactured lawn reverse flow, offset barbecues from Radar Hill. So those are our guys. Uh, again, I... Absolutely want to thank Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions. Ben, you, be absolute. I, I, I do love having a chat with you when we get to our comps. I'm really thankful that you've decided to uh, have a chat with me for, the, for your podcast. Uh, mate, it's a great podcast. I've listened to all the previous episodes and uh, I can't wait to hear some more.
0: Excellent, mate. Much thanks and gratitude uh, heading back your way as well for joining me on the podcast tonight and sharing uh, your Uh, insider insights into the world of uh, sponsored barbecue
1: great man thanks again thanks very much thanks for listening to the smoking hot confessions podcast head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes tips and ben's own confessions